If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're with Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Very interesting to hear from George Papadopoulos. Now, like you, I've probably heard him give interviews 20, 30 times, the ones that I've listened to and watched intently. Um, But in terms of what we've heard now, it dispels this idea that this was all done in July of 2016 and Alexander Downer was a plant in trying to um, use the uh, Trump administration um, adversely. But what Schellenberger was able to do is say that this goes back much earlier, that this has been a conspiracy, a true conspiracy between the likes of Italy, Australia, all the four eyes, UK, the United States of America, um, to bring down Donald Trump, to go on a an illegal fishing expedition, to obtain warrants, to spy, to surveil without any legal backing at all, illegally. And I know the mainstream media will find it too complicated for their very tiny minds But what dropped last week and that I went through with you verbatim, it is massive. And no doubt what they published last week may trigger the exposure of insiders and more evidence. And that can only hound Biden right up to the November election. As George says, Americans don't like corruption. Americans don't like normal people and even bizarre human beings like Donald Trump being given an unfair run, irrespective of his private dealings or things that you don't like about his personality or you think he might be unstable. It's got nothing to do with it. He's a candidate and candidates should be treated fairly. And what was going on from March of 2016 was clearly an attempt to take out a fairly um, nominated candidate. And it was good to talk with George. Major story coming out of Australia today, this afternoon. And I'll just read for you what the Daily Telegraph in Sydney are writing about it. Uh, New South Wales police have found the missing white van allegedly used to transport the bodies of missing former TV reporter Jesse Baird and his partner Luke Davies. New South Wales Police Constable Bo Lamar was this afternoon charged with two counts of murder. This only happened an hour ago over the disappearance of Mr. Baird, who he had dated in the past, and Mr. Davies. He allegedly killed both of them. Now, police will allege the constable who handed himself into Bondi Police Station on Friday morning used his police Glock, so his service revolver, to kill both men. Sources say at least one bullet casing was found at the Paddington home that was identified on Wednesday as the initial crime scene in the investigation. Police believe Lamar, who is currently assisting police with their inquiries at Waverley Police Station, used a white van. He drove to Newcastle to dispose of the bodies. Officers have been looking for the van and put out a public appeal for information. It is understood to have been located at about 3 p.m. That's, of course, around about an hour ago. Lamar, a serving New South Wales police officer, was on Thursday being sought. After handing himself in today, Lamar was arrested. 
A police spokesperson told a media conference he would be charged with two counts of murder and refused bail. And that's exactly what occurred at Waverley Court about an hour ago. So that is a major murder investigation that led to the charging of one constable attached to the New South Wales Police Service. Jason has sent me an email all the way from Tassie, and he says, my ears nearly fell off listening to that Claire McGaskill woman. This is the woman that I highlighted at the beginning of the program, the one with the Trump derangement syndrome that has really become embedded in her cranium. Um, OMG, he writes, they're frightened of the Donald, pure and simply. Yeah, oh, of course they're frightened of the Donald. You bet they are. That's exactly what has occurred. All right, I want to get to my um, good friend and... Uh, colleague now, I guess you'd call him, now that he comes on regularly on Friday on this program. He's the Southern Hemisphere's most politically incorrect commentator, former National Nighttime Talkback Radio host, Jim Ball. Welcome back to TNT. Yeah, hi, Chris. Yeah, and only the Southern Hemisphere. I thought, I thought it was the world. <laughs> the world, the universe. I, I, that's better. Look, I've got to tell you, that last hour with your chap about AI, uh, unbelievable! Was he, I kind of came in late. Was he talking about the new Google Gemini? Because that's no, no, he wasn't. No, basically oh, AI I, being I, used to surveil Americans. Yeah, I urge everyone to go on and uh, listen to Ben Shapiro's podcast from today, this morning, yep. talking about Gemini. It is. It will scare the bejesus out of you. Yeah. What Google are now up to? You Google something like the Pope. And give me an image of the Pope, and he's a black man. Give me an Im image of the average family, and it's ever anything but the average family. Right. Give me an image of a 17th century French king, and it's a black man or a coloured man. So AI is not fact. AI is engineered by human beings who yeah, the people programming don't abide it by the facts. Are, in are inputting their own biases yeah. and prejudice into it. Isn't that interesting? Uh, we thought it was really funny when uh, Disney... Uh, decided they'd make, remake, uh, what was it, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs with a, a coloured woman and and seven average dudes, normal height. They weren't mucking around. That's yep. what, anyway, go to Ben Shapiro, have a listen to his, his podcast from today. And just George Papadopoulos, I'm like you, I've heard him interviewed many times. His wife is a good value. Uh, let's just get this on the record. Alexander Downer is a spiv. You should have seen what he did, and this was on Four Corners, what he did to Timor, East Timor. Mm. We were negotiating the oil fields and the gas. What they didn't know was we were spying on them in the hotel rooms, <clears throat> pardon me, as they were negotiating, all at the behest of Alexander Downer. The guy's a grub, simple and simple as that. That's fascinating. And one other thing, Chris, um, you're just on that topic of uh, Big Intel and all the rest of it. The book I mentioned last week is Big Intel. There was an interview earlier this week. I normally don't watch things. People send me stuff all the time. This was an hour. And I started to watch it, and I just couldn't stop. It was an interview, Tucker Carlson, and a guy called Mike Benz, B-E-N-Z, as in Mercedes-Benz. Oh, my God. You have no idea how deep this is. Mm. And universal, like across the world. It is not just Washington. It's across the world, as you saw with Papadopoulos and, and Trump. And the five eyes, mm. they're all in on it. Mm. It's its its shocking. It's terrible. 
they go beyond what presidents and prime ministers are allowed to do with the powers that they have. They don't take any notice of national or international law. They are a law under themselves, Jim. Well, Chris, the, the point Ben's makes, you got when you this, when you hear these people talking about saving our democracy, and we all think, oh, they mean all of us, our democracy. No, they don't mean that. They mean their democracy. You know how we talk about, uh, they used to call it our ABC and we meant, and we used to say, oh, you mean their ABC? It's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it's the it's the the deep state operatives. It's all the intel agencies. It's yeah. their democracy across the world and how they want it set up. So when you hear that word, our democracy, it's not what we think it means. Yeah, it's their yeah. version of the truth. Well, I urge people to listen to both of those. Yeah. Good point. Thank you for the advice. Thank you for the tip. Now, less than 250 days from the Queensland election, and despite raging criticism from voters over regional crime, which has been a hot topic for about two and a half years, uh, today's UCOM poll um, seems to belie Labor's problems, Jim. New Premier Stephen Miles has somehow drawn level with the LMP. What does it all tell you? Can Labor regain power, even under Palaszczuk's right-hand man? Well, yeah, you'd think people would be, uh, what would you say, um, burnt out, uh, a bit of Palaszczuk fatigue, a bit of Labor fatigue. Yeah. Mind you, this is, uh, what, 250 days out. I think it's October the 26th. Yep. So, look, anything can and probably will go wrong for both parties. They'll have their ups and their downs. This is one poll, mm. and if Labor gets this, it'll be a, like a Stephen Bradbury win. Uh, well, it won't, not not quite, but you, as I said, you would think there'd be a certain amount of uh, Palaszczuk and Labor fatigue. Uh, this will be their, I think, fourth, their fourth time, their fourth yeah. win since uh, Cameron Newman, uh, Campbell Newman, famously yeah. crashed and burned, and that was back on uh, 2013, I think it was, and he went out in a blaze of glory, one term. I think he had the right ideas. Problem was, he tried to implement them in one hit. Mm. And thought, well, I'll get this over and done with. And the people said, no, thank you. And uh, there we go. Um, See, I think David Chris Foley, the opposition leader, is pressing all the right buttons. He's not being overexposed. He's not yeah. underexposed. He's there yep. at the right time. I think he's doing a good job. Opposition leaders, though, don't win elections. I just hope they don't end up like the Melbourne, the Victorian Liberal Party, where they just have this rotation of duds. Mm. Total, the Liberal Party in Victoria... You know, I hate to say they deserve everything they get, but, you know, the yeah. way they treated Moira Deeming, for example, yeah, uh, it's just shocking. Mm. <laughs> it's just, they talk about their inability to um, to read the room. And I've just made a note here. Um, they've got, uh, uh, what do they call it, um, optional preferential up there. So it's not compulsory. No. So that may, and you've got, and at the moment, I think it's 49-51 in favour of the Liberal National Party, uh, two-party preferred, and the just straight down the line, Lib Labor, uh, it's 50-50. Uh, so it's a, it's a line ball thing. At least they're in the game. Mm. They're on the field, mm. which is... Uh, which is uh, a Miles is so green, and I don't know how that goes That's, down in Queensland. I'm not yes. in Queensland, but he was out today off the back of this poll, I think announcing a, a battery, a new battery. Yeah, battery, is, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, One Nation is on 6.6% and you got Bob Catter on 3%. So how that factors into all of this, I don't know. 
Uh, I mean, I don't sort of wake up every morning thinking, gee, I've got to check the polls in Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> I've really got to work at maintaining an interest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Still on youth crime, uh, a huge wake-up call to the judiciary in the Northern Territory. And, of course, it's crime plague, <clears throat> um, that territory in Australia. Federal Labor MP and Indigenous woman, I might add, it's important to note, Marion Scrimgore has blasted magistrates in the Territory who, she says, wrongly treat criminal minors as little angels. Maybe a little more tough love is what's uh, required. Look, what we're talking about here, and I know we may get to it in uh, the Sydney Morning Herald, right, this piece about COVID, uh, but there's a link between the two. Um, this is not just about crimes, but more to the point kids in danger and setting them up for failure in years to come, uh, a life of crime and perhaps an early death. So with that on board, allow me to live up to your, your rap about uh, most, un, what is it, but politically, politically incorrect. Politically incorrect, Jim, come on. So look, the issue at the heart of all of this, and nobody wants to mention the elephant in the room, I'm about to do it. People have become so intimidated by the stolen children narrative, mm. that the idea of removing kids is just politically fraught. Mm. Can't be done. Can't mention it. Mm. Now, it's got to be remembered. And let me just go to that whole thing. They put up their best cases to court. Not a single case in court was found. And these were like the best ones I can think of are a couple, Peter Gunner and Lorna Cabillo. They were found by the court not to be stolen. Peter Gunner was rescued off a garbage tip. Right, they were so they were rescued. So yes, kids were removed, but they're not stolen. Mm. And but this is the problem: mm. removed, yes, but stolen, most definitely not. And I mean, if you're going to steal something, for what purpose? For what? Who's going to benefit from stealing yeah. something? But this is this is what happens when the left control a narrative. Yeah. They pick, they cherry pick their words very carefully. The word stolen in America, the word insurrection, they have a situation, how can we milk this politically? They pick a word, stolen, insurrection, and there it is. That That's, and that's so when we said sorry to the stolen generation, there was no room in that apology for the, the tabulating or the tabling of the other truth, which is the fact that some, a huge number of young kids who were taken away from dysfunctional families ended up leading wonderfully safe, productive correct. and academically successful lives. That's exactly right. Now, look, uh, I wrote something back in the day, and I just went back and keep all this stuff. I don't know why, but anyway, I'm glad I do. Um, the whole Stolen Generation narrative has got elements of Orwell, Goebbels and Marx. Here they are. This is what I wrote way back, maybe mm. 20 years ago. It's Orwellian in so much that the underlying idea was to flip the original good intention to remove children from out of harm's way and label it bad. But they did that. It was Marxist in so much as the intention was to undermine the confidence and tarnish and shame the people's belief in the nation, that we're just no good, we're thieves, we steal children. And Goebbels, in so much as it's a monstrous and repeated lie, often enough, it becomes the truth. Now, I've got here from 1959, okay? 
-hmm. You tell me if this sounds like uh, people intent and intent on stealing children. These were the tests to be applied in considering whether or not a part Aboriginal child should be taken from an Aboriginal mother on a settlement or pastoral property. Remember, 1959. Mm. And this, I won't read them all because they're, they're rather lengthy, but if a female, was she promised at birth as the wife of some tribal male? If so, would it create any problems within the tribe if, if she were taken away? Is it likely, even if taken away, she may sub subsequently return and accept the obligations of tribal marriage? I'm jumping around here because I don't want to waste or spend too much time on it. Number two, is the child's habits in, in manner of life identical with full blood Aboriginal children with whom he or she is living? Is there any reason to feel that a girl would accept just as readily as a full blood girl a tribal marriage? Does the mother, this is point four, and for some reason I've bolded it, does the mother consider that removal is the best interests of the child? Has the mother consulted either her brother or husband on the matter of removal? Is the child old enough to be consciously attached to the family's group, but not old enough to comprehend the possibilities of a new adventure? And then we get down, to, and I'm skipping all over here. They ask, and this is a bureaucracy we're told was intent on stealing children, right? They ask for the, the uh, patrolman in the Northern Territory, how would a child's prospects of employment be better after removal? In the case of a girl, has the she better prospects of contracting a happy marriage if removed than she would if she remained? And yeah, so I'll just leave it there. But but the word stolen, you make a very good point. The word stolen is this aggressive interpretation yes. of removing someone for their own good. And you know what? There are examples of this in the Northern Territory today where kids need to be removed from their Absolutely. parents. But, of course, we're shit scared to go anywhere that's, near that now, that's Jim. I'm glad you said that, Chris. I, I wasn't going. Yeah. I've got but, to get to a break. We're going to come yep. back and talk more. Plenty to come with Jim Ball on TNT. TNT's Dean Mackin. Some would argue where it comes to Julian Assange, he has more than done his time, whether that be self-imposed or where he currently finds himself locked up, but just that time that he spent in the Ecuadorian embassy. That was way more time than he ever should have served. And what did he do? He told the truth. Somehow you would think if you were new to this world, if you were a visiting alien, if you were a child who was growing up in this world, you would learn quickly that if you tell the truth, if you advocate for what's right, you'll be punished. Apparently, that's the lesson to be learned. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do. Crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We're now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to TNTradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. Top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Let's get back to Jim Ball now. Now, Jim, um, can I take you back to Wednesday when mm. the Woolies CEO, Brad Benaducci, announced suddenly, out of the blue, 
that he would resign and depart, and he intends to do that in September, I think the month is. And we know why. He bungled Australia Day arrangements terribly. He he disaffected, I think, so many customers, it's not funny. Anyone that I know doesn't shop at Woolies anymore, and I won't go back ever. Uh, although once he goes in September, we'll see what the CEO thinks of Australia Day next January. Um, but this is the history of CEOs, mate, that go woke, it affects the bottom line, and they go out the door. That's right. Yeah, he basically checked himself out at the express line. <laughs> That's what he did. He did. Look, the, the unwritten contract with the consumer of anything, whether it be Woolies and, and, and groceries or whether it's airline tickets or buying a ticket to the football stadium, the unwritten contract is I'm buying what you're selling. If I want fries with that, I'll, I'll ask for it. Thank you very much. But... Um, People want to buy what is what they're what what they're promised. Mm. I don't go to sit in an, in a, a stadium or go to Woolies to hear. And I think Coles or Woolies are one of them. When the Voice debate was going on, they had things over the P, internal PA mm. suggesting that people remember to vote yes on the fourteenth of of October. Um, but that willingness to metaphorically sign up. Uh, and years of customer loyalty and all the rest of it, and that doesn't mean the customer can be taken for granted. The one thing that the the, the 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 corporates need to understand, and that is that customer, I hate to say it, is always right. Yep. So the basically the the lesson should be, as they say in basketball, just shut up and dribble. And you <laughs> notice that all of these from Qantas and their welcome to country. Uh, and the uh, BS acknowledgements to the sporting arena, to the monopoly on groceries and woolies, they're all a captive market. You're sitting there, you can't get up and just walk out. You get it whether you want it or not. And so we get to Brad Bear. And then, of course, incorporate into all of that, you get the uh, the pride round for the NRL, whatever round it might be for the rugby. Uh, the same thing. You get, you get all of this, all, all of these... Um, political messages coming at you. And to Brad Benaducci, who's, as I said, put himself through the Wellies Express checkout, it's just a late ex example of what happens when you try and use your capacity as a CEO or a market leader or the corporate boardroom, in the case of airlines or groceries uh, or banking, to force change to fit the politics of your worldview. Yeah. And, I mean, in America, we had Bud Light. Uh, then Target, Target stuff at, at young kids, all transy sort of stuff. Uh, these corporate types seem to have forgotten that it's the customer that's always right. And I use that word force deliberately because what we're talking about is what, what I, it's a gym term now. Uh, it was Karl von Klaswitz who said that war is politics by other means. In other words, we've tried being polite. We've tried diplomacy, hasn't worked. So, you know, we're going to go to um, to a you know a kinetic uh, kinetic type war. So this is not about affecting change at the ballot box or by persuasion. This is affecting change. It's about affecting change by the politics of shoving it down your throat. That's what it is by way of edicts and the strictures of DEI. We've got some banks. I think ANZ, they won't lend for anything associated with coal. It could be NAB, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. But 
what the hell? Coal is not illegal. No. But because this is how it's it's this is how what they can't get past politically in in Canberra, their proxies in the corporate board boardrooms are doing it or trying to do it. Um out in uh, out in the business world, out yeah. in the big end of town. But will they learn? Will they learn? No, I don't think so. I no. think that they 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 live in an echo chamber. Yeah. They talk to like-minded types. Yeah. And as I said, Woolies, Coles, Qantas, shut up and dribble. Yeah. That's I was with gonna... someone who's a supplier to Woolworths and has had a little bit to do with Brad Baducci. And uh, he said to me yesterday, yeah, good luck. Don't hit your head on the way through the door. He wasn't too kind yeah. about the way uh, he led Woolworths. But anyway, um, I want to ask you one more thing. I want to talk about Ukraine, Jim, because, you know, we had the reports during this week that they're being pulverised in so many ways, especially in the front lines. <laughs> Today, more aid to Ukraine from New Zealand and Zelensky's praising uh, yeah, their new prime minister for doing so. Uh, the US is going to send ballistic missiles. We hear today, and I spoke with Ed Martin about that earlier in the program. Has anyone got a plan for a sit down at any stage, at any juncture, for a negotiated compromise? They had one, Chris, about two months, three months after the war started. That was scuttled by Boris Johnson. Yeah. Okay. That was scuttled. Now, why? Here they are. Everyone's weeping about the uh, the deaths in Ukraine. I, I think when the history books are written, my suspicions will be confirmed that something is seriously off about that war. Mm. Why this interest in a reasonably obscure country, thousands yeah. of miles away from America? Well, um, it's regarded as basically a money laundering operation. All of Ukraine, it's regarded as the most corrupt country on earth. Yeah, the Bidens were in there making their money. If you look at the history of the of the George Papadopoulos business, yeah. uh, Trump collu Russia collusion, Ukraine was central to that. I mean, yeah. that's like saying Tasmania is the central of all of this stuff or yeah. New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, and, and so Ukraine has been central to all of this stuff. And in fact, uh, written before the Ukraine war, Dan Bongino, he wrote a book called Follow the Money. And his opening chapter, now this is before the war, right? So it's not after. The opening chapter is called Insane in Ukraine. That's what it's called. Now, in his book, and I'm just reading a, a review here, Follow the Money, published 2020, the opening chapter is titled Insane in Ukraine, where Dan Bongino unspools the complex sequence of corruption from the miraculous discovery of a mysterious black ledger that linked uh, transactions to the Trump campaign inside Paul Manafort, all made up. Mm. As we dig deeper into the story, Ben Mongino writes and unravel the corrupt connections surrounding this chaotic country, no description may offer more be offered more accurately than the one the creatures of the DC swamp should have offered under oath. Ukraine is a giant 24-hour ATM broken slot machine that spewed out money to greedy politicos, lobbyists, and yes, the son of the US vice president which is the Bidens, of course. The, so, I look, think I, the future's got to tell the truth. The future uh, will tell the truth. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. think, and this is why, Chris, I, I've said this to many people, some of them you would know. Uh, I think this is why Trump can't be allowed to get into power. They're not allowed to get his feet under the resolute desk because he now knows he's had a trial run for four years. He knows where the bodies are buried. 
He knows which people to look out for. He's now surrounded himself by some really brilliant thinkers who also know where the bodies are buried and they don't want it coming out. And it's not just about Ukraine. This stuff goes back 50, 60 years. You know, the the, the Kennedy assassination, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's shocking. People are going to be shocked when the truth comes out. I think you're but, right. I yeah. think you're right. Uh, that book, Follow the Money, that is really interesting. I might look that up myself sometime over the weekend. Yeah. And You've the been... other one, Big Intel, mate. Just the beauty these days, I love Audible because I don't have time like most people to sit there and read. No. And I can go down with Woolies aisle four. I'm driving in the car. Yeah. Whatever Your I'm doing. The book becomes that, a podcast. Yeah, basically. And it's just brilliant. And all of these books now are Big Intel. I'm not sure about the Bongino one, but. Yeah, Audible or one of the – I think Apple Books may may have an Audible as well, an Audible, Audible version of a lot of books. But that's the way to go. People say, I can't, don't like reading and I can't concentrate or I haven't got time. Well, get the Audible and then you'll bloody well wake up to yourself and find out what's actually going on in the world. Yeah, you're a source of great wisdom today, mate. I appreciate your time Thanks. and, and your thoughts. my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I'll pass it on to her. Yeah. <laughs> See you, mate. Bye. Jim Ball, the politically incorrect Jim Ball, the former radio nighttime talkback man. Good to have him on the program. A little bit late for news. We'll go there. We're going to catch up with Russell Broadbent, the independent federal MP um, from Monash, the seat of Monash in Victoria. Lots to talk about, including that uh, incredibly huge COVID study done by New Zealand researchers. We'll get to that right after a news break on TNT. <laughs> The news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. The world's fourth largest cell phone network suffered a nationwide outage in the US on Thursday, sparking fears the telco may have fallen victim to a cyber attack. China's told the World Court that international law grants Palestinians the right to use whatever force necessary to defend themselves against Israeli occupation. And the US is back on the moon after successfully landing its first spacecraft on the lunar surface in over half a century. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. I don't think he would mind telling you what he's just sent me, but George Papadopoulos has just sent me an email. It's a personal note, but I don't think it, you know, reveals something that he wouldn't like me to tell you. But this gives you a gauge of the sort of fellow you're talking about. Thanks again for the invite. I hope the feedback is great. Now, I don't know how much he's done on this station. Not much, if at all, but that is quite a uh, warm and sincere quote from a fellow um, that probably has been chased by everyone to talk about what happened last week. So that's fantastic. All right. Earlier this week, I told you about a major mainstream study undertaken in New Zealand, which analysed the data from 99 million people. You heard right, 99 million, and the prevalence of death or disease from the mRNA 
COVID vaccines. It was the largest COVID vaccine study to date in the world. The Global Vaccine Data Network assessed 13 neurological, blood and heart-related medical conditions to see if there was a greater risk of them occurring after receiving a COVID-19 vaccine. The 99 million were from 10 countries and found that the observed rate of disease, observed, far exceeded what was universally expected. Now, in the last 24 hours, a twice board-certified physician, a Dr. Robin Rose, appeared on News Nation to highlight how disturbing these study results are because the mainstream media is run for cover. They don't want to uncover the truth when their narrative has been anything but the truth. It's been the opposite. Her interview, I think, is an eye-opener, especially when you consider the public awareness campaigns that occur for so many other health issues, and yet what has been discovered in this study far exceeds the prevalence of disease than for the campaigns that we spend billions on. I'll let Robin Rose explain that more specifically, but here is Dr. Rose. The background of the study is, is that they looked at, like you said, these 99 million people across 10 sites, eight countries, and they identified these very significant problems that were neurologic, cardiac, cardiac or hematologic uh, issues. But these are problems that with any therapeutic or vaccine that is coming out, you wouldn't want to see these issues, right? Or you wouldn't expect to see these issues. And if you did, you'd want to see them at a low rate. And there were a handful that were flagged, you know, as safety signals that were two to three times higher, you know, when they looked at, they were, you know, they had the expected versus what the observed outcomes would be. And they were two to three times higher anyway. So wait, what does that mean? What does expected versus observed mean? So when you, when you're rolling out you know, a therapeutic, a treatment, a vaccine, you know, you expect maybe you'll have some side effects, mild, moderate, or severe side effects. So when they saw, you know, when they, when they, when they were looking at the data, they, they knew that some of the side effects that these serious side effects, the outcomes that were observed by the data collected by these 99 million people were higher than what they had expected. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. And you told me that as an analogy, you were like, if we were talking about like cancers or things like that, um, people would not be happy about what they're seeing in this study. How so? So this is what I mean. So when the headlines come out about about vaccine, right, versus COVID, the the vaccine, it's downplayed in a lot of ways or the headlines downplay what's happening. Okay. And the issue is, is that in our society and in healthcare in general, we always do care about the few or the rare things that happen, right? So, you know, we pull in cancer screen, everyone that's 45 years and older, you know, in the hundreds of thousands or millions of people that need to get screened because we're worried about the 32 out of every 100,000 people that get it per year, right? Same thing with women and cervical cancer, you know, 7.7 females out of every 100,000 per year get cervical cancer. These are rarer, fewer events that occur, but we care about them. We don't downplay them and we screen these people and we try to prevent it from happening. 
That was my point. And, he, and here we're saying it's an acceptable loss. And you made another good point to me, which is why didn't they, if they had this big uh, cohort to work with, why didn't they ask them about a lot of other things that clinicians like you are seeing and see how prevalent they are? Uh, well, what do you think the answer to your own question is? Right. So exactly. There's tens of millions of people out there that are screaming from the rooftop saying that after they had the vaccine, they have suffered just you know, basic symptoms or not that basic, but not as severe as this, but symptoms that have impaired their activities of daily living. You know, they can't live the way they used to live on a daily basis. And those are things including, you know, chest heaviness, you know, persistent headaches every day, brain fog, post-exertional malaise, neuropathy, weakness, uh, new onset cardiac arrhythmias, uh, structural heart damage, autoimmune conditions, all these different things. I can name a hundred other things probably. You know, why are we not looking at mm. those things? The things that we are looking at in this study particularly are things that are super rare and very, very serious and life-threatening. How interesting is that interpretation of that study? Fascinating. Let's bring in one of the few Australian politicians who raised some concerns about experimental genetic-based vaccines and, of course, mandates. Independent MP and the member for Monash is Russell Broadbent. Russell, welcome back to TNT. Thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. We're going to see you shirtless on the horse like Putin, like your promo <laughs> said. I look forward to that. No, that will not be happening. That will not be happening. Listen, finally, a major wide-scale study showing that your concerns for these experimental vaccines were well-founded. The array of serious and life-changing disease is shocking. The observed um, disease was above the expected disease and in some cases, three times the expected result. We're starting to find the truth, aren't we? Well, that was in a mainstream newspaper. That was amazing because we've been going, I, I called this out in September of 2021 seems a long time ago now and I haven't stopped since and I won't stop until the truth is out. But the frightening statement that the people you just played there, Robin, you just played was the fact that it wasn't all those major indicators that were, that were an issue. She was dealing with millions of people, millions of people who have been unwell for one reason or another and cannot live their lives. Yeah. And I've spoken to a lot of people with brain fog, brain fog. These people were are really, really top of their fields, and now they live in this world of brain fog, you know, and they put it down to the vaccines. And I'll say to you, Chris, I'll say this to you. If it's not the vaccines, what is it? Mm. And why aren't we talking about it? We can't. They people... don't want to lose face, do they? That's right. And, and to a degree, this is why we've gone very carefully, Chris, very, very carefully, not to attack one person or another person all the way through. I've held, I've held back because I don't want them uh, to, be, to be put off and want to fight back even harder mm. to hold their position, to hold their ground. Yeah. Um, you know, the Rural Doctors Association attacked me back in 21, and now I see they're attacking a candidate down in Tasmania in 2024. Let's tell our story. Let's tell that story to people and pick up what you think about it. Tasmanian Premier Jeremy Rockliffe 
is standing by liberal can a liberal candidate who has repeatedly questioned the safety of COVID vaccines and described Tasmania as an autocracy during the COVID period. The AMA in Tasmania described Liberal Party candidate Dr Julie Sladden's comments and articles as dangerous and misleading. They even got political, the AMA, and said her pre-selection as a Liberal candidate for Bass was untenable. They have crossed the line in so many ways. And what did the Premier say? We're a broad church. She's very welcome. She's very talented. She's highly respected doctor. And she decided not to have the vaccine. So the Doctors Association and the authorities threw her out of the profession. She had no choice. Unreal. And she is um, she has written articles for an, a lot of very, very well-known publications. And uh, I wonder if the AMA have read them, because if they had read them, they might have opened their eyes to the truth a little bit more. Mm. Very, very true. Should this be now, given what we've now had presented to us this week from New Zealand, should this be a lesson to future governments about overplaying their hand, adopting the WHO's alarmist narrative when we ha have the next virus? And we will have one. Chris, we had a pandemic plan for Australia all set out, which was totally ignored mm. by our own government and by state governments. We had a pandemic plan. It did not include lockdowns. It no. did not include masks. It did not include shutting schools. It did not include shutting out our churches. It did not include stop making farmers wear a mask on a tractor out on the farm. Mm. It did not. It, it did not include stopping people playing golf in the fresh air and getting some vitamin D. <laughs> I mean, how this happened in Australia, uh, as Ed Dowd, the American, said. Uh, someone said to me, we'll be talking about this next year. He said, we'll be talking about this the next 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Because if there's if there's one study come out and it's, uh, and it's credible and it's been commented on by peers, you can guarantee what about the next study and the yeah. next study and the next study, Chris? Yeah, yeah you're right. And, and following the questions that Robin Rose mentioned there about these normal but life-changing ailments that people are impeded by they're the questions we want to have established and i in think health, the numbers will be even greater in health if you have a one percent variation you start to question what's going on if you have a two percent if you have 18 percent variations and 43 percent variations you know that that is a black swan event yeah that is a world changing event yeah. yet we're not talking about it yeah i've got plenty you know, more to talk to you about i'm going to take a break and i'm going to come back after a very quick break with Russell Broadbent, the member for Monash, independent MP in the federal parliament on TNT. The Kids Cancer Project funds vital research into childhood cancers. And you fund the Kids Cancer Project. Funding research means giving children back their lives. And who knows what kids with cancer could grow up to do. The Kids Cancer Project. Survival starts with science. Donate now. The Kids Cancer Project. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. 
they faced exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked in the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. Where the story goes, we follow. Chris Smith on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, I've got Russell Broadbent with me, the uh, MP, Federal Independent MP for Monash in Victoria. Working from home, Russell, um, I have, whenever I criticise working from home, um, I get people to say, oh, it works wonderfully for me, and I'm sure it does in some cases. But it's now spreading across the public sector in some of these new pay deals. And today the Prime Minister said that working from home can be a win-win. That is not the feedback that I'm getting from very anxious employers. When I say not all of them, but certainly the vast majority. Oh, the retailer, it's a bit hard for my staff to work from home. <laughs> yes. I spoke to my son last night, who's an estate agent, he said, yeah, 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 they can work from home for somebody else. Yeah. So only, only, only the public service could be doing this. Yeah. Only the public service can be saying, well, I'm going to have two days and that's going to be the two days I'll look after the kids. That's going to save us childcare. So I'll work from home for two. I'll work and be better even if I work from home for three days. But, <clears throat> gee, what if we get away with four days? Mm. I can do all my work from home. So you don't have the critical interaction with staff that you need. Yep. You know, that, that interaction with staff, where the ideas come from, where the... Um, when you're having the cup of tea together, when you're standing at the water cooler together. Yeah, the unintentional a, that, times, the unintentional right. creativity. That's when the creativity comes from. That's very important for every job. I don't care how mundane the job is, it's really important. Mm. But, look, <clears throat> I think under this government, on industrial relations, they'll try everything. Yeah. I think everything they've done in industrial relations to this point um, have been to detriment to the productivity of this nation. And to the detriment of those employees. Yeah, I couldn't so, agree more. Chris, I want to raise something with you. Please. Which has been very important to me. Last, The last few days it has been announced that there's been 2,500 Palestinian refugees coming to this country. And Dutton, because you raised the issue of the national security in regard to people that come into the country, yep. um, has been roundly criticised. <clears throat> now, I'm not a Liberal at the moment, but I'm Liberal at heart. And I've got to say, Mr Dutton is raising exactly the right question. Mm. We know that there are terror cells in the UK. We know they're in Europe. We know they're in America. Why do you, do you really think we haven't got a terror cell here? Of course we have. You'd have to ask the question. And these people that are coming in, who are they? What's their background? Are they Hamas or Hezbollah? Because we've had fighters from here go from Australia to fight for Hezbollah and Hamas that have been Correct. killed. 
We that, forget. We forget that people fact. should not forget that. That's a fact. So, um, and and our, and our authorities know that we need to be vigilant with all of those people that came to this country. It's a really important issue. Yeah, very, very true. Now, listen, from the Sydney Morning Herald today, I saw your name. David Crow wrote, sometimes a question in federal parliament has the power to cut through the humbug and remind everyone of a problem they need to talk about more often. That's what happened when Russell Broadbent asked the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers, about the financial fraud sweeping the country. Broadbent told Parliament about a couple who'd lost $100,000 to a financial scam and a friend who'd lost forty grand. Turning to the Treasurer, he had a simple question, what more can we do to protect the Australian people from this evil? Tell us the story. There's a, well, well, I've told you the story in that question, but um, a, a bank manager, a retired bank manager that I was talking to said she questioned 10 people withdrawing large amounts of money. And of the ten, Chris, six of them were being scammed. Now her husband rang me about another issue, but I wanted to ask about. I asked the question every time I go and get cash out of the bank. The 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 people behind the counter say, "And why does Mister Broadbent want this money?" And my wife will say, "He didn't tell me." But there is a reason behind it because they want to know whether you're being scammed mm. and taking the money out and. Uh, it was only with one in one lady's situation. She'd taken was had to take the money out of two banks. Went to the Commonwealth Bank, went to put it in, and the Commonwealth Bank said you can't put it into that account. It's a scam account, and saved her. Wow. So that doesn't happen everywhere. Wow. Now, if there's three billion three billion dollars lost last year, said the said the treasurer, how many people have been scammed, Chris? and are too embarrassed to tell anybody. Yeah, lots and lots. So could there be $6 billion gone? I, I'm talking billions. I'm not talking millions. I'm not talking a few thousand dollars here. I'm talking billions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's gone out of the pockets of Australians that they won't be able to live on into the future. That $100,000, that was the nest egg after many years of hard work. Yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, they're not going to starve. They're not going to, you know, they've both got good jobs and they're both working well. But... They were two smart people, Chris, mm. smart people, Yeah, and they got them. It's an incredible machine, and it works with social media, it works on the telephone, it works everywhere, and it is so, so sophisticated we, people would be shocked. Can we just say something to people? If you get a phone call from your bank, have doubts about it and go down to the bank and confirm it. Yes, must. Go down to your local bank and confirm it. Yeah. Do not give your details to anybody, even if they know where Chris Smith has got a wart on his backside. Yeah. And they know everything about you. Yeah. So, you know, you've just got to be so vigilant and and because it can hit anybody, it can hit you and I or anybody. Yeah. By the way, I don't have a wart on my backside, but that's oh, not, right not, not important right now. Thanks um, for that. Just on power supplies, uh, <laughs> the recent storms wreaked havoc at uh, – Mebu North, there was unprecedented damage and destruction. But what it also showed Victorians, Russell, is that they'd better stock up on their candles, matches and tin food because it's back to the dark old days when you put all your eggs in the fake renewable basket. Oh, absolutely. But in, in this particular situation, this was an unbelievable storm, Chris. I've been in politics and around disasters. I was a fireman during Ash Wednesday um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've seen the worst of things. But this was the most incredible destruction I have ever seen in my years. Wow. Massive trees just ripped straight out of the ground. You, 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 I couldn't explain it to you. So it just shows you 
that we actually do need to be preppers. I mean, I mean, I know preppers, they, they have a go at preppers, but you do need food. You do need matches, you know. And one lady, when the storm was coming, she said to her husband, I'm going down the street to get supplies. We'll need them. The power will be off for a week. And she was spot on. Wow. Spot on. So yeah. she got, got down the street, got the supplies they need. And that guy, um, he told me that he uh, he couldn't, he had, took him two days to chainsaw his way out of his property. And he wasn't on his own. Unbelievable stuff. So, yeah. you know, people need to be prepared. They do need to have cash. Yeah. You know, because they're, not only their, their power went down, but their communications went down as well. Yeah. And, once, and look, coupled with this, and this is what I was trying to get to, too, that when one coal-fired power station goes down in Victoria, the place is crippled. That's right. That's right. Just and and that, that also goes into the national grid on the eastern, eastern, eastern coast, of, east coast of Australia. Yeah, yeah, true. So, you know, um, and I don't want somebody sitting there um, in a station saying, oh, well, we'll switch off Ballarat for four hours. Well, how about we switch off uh, uh, Bendigo as well? That that'll that'll do it. That'll that'll spread it really well. Or we can do all the little towns right across Victoria. They won't they won't scream much, mm. you know. And that's what's going to happen very shortly, Chris. And this is that that's why I was spoke at the reckless renewables rally um, in in uh, in Canberra. Well done, uh, Chris. It was very important to speak at that rally. Yeah, because I want people to know that what the government's doing putting these wires, poles and wires right across Australia, taking away very good agricultural land to do it, uh, disrupting, um, and uh, for what? For net zero. For net zero, mate, <laughs> for, for windmills. Look, uh, you, you know, this was, I thought, a success, but I noticed that journalist Malcolm Farr in the Saturday paper last weekend said that it was full of people from the scruffy side of politics, Russell. Well, that's where we are. <laughs> You're gonna hold that with a badge as a badge of honor, are you? Absolutely a badge of honor. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, we we had a major attempt this week to demonize farmers and our consumption of red meat. Since when is nutritional advice based on green evangelism? I know somebody who was very, very unwell, and she went on a diet of red meat and vegetables and completely recovered when the doctors couldn't fix her. Brilliant. Red meat and vegetables, huh. right? Huh. So, um, and I come from a country community, a small town called Kuirup, and we grew up on meat that was slaughtered just down the road. We grew up on food that was grown within 10 kilometres of the town, and we had milk out of the cows uh, from within the town that was delivered in a billy. Mm. And I can tell you that community produced some of the best league footballers you've ever seen. I wasn't one of them, by the uh. way. And and, uh, and and some of the healthiest people across Australia. And uh, I'm just ashamed that we're getting our food from places now that we don't know where it's come from. We don't know how it's produced. But I tell you what, we do know about red grass-fed red meat. May cost you 50 bucks now in a pub for a, for the best steak. Yes. But 5G, it's good for you. Yeah, we could talk for hours about what a, a pub meal costs. It's gone off the Richter. But anyway, you're right. Yeah. Um, there's nothing better, mate. You've you've made me, me very hungry for a big red steak tonight. <laughs> I might fire up the barbecue. Oh, um, beautiful. Would be fantastic. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for your generosity and your time Chris. today.
Look Good on you. Russell Broadbent, the uh, MP for the seat of Monash, independent MP federally. It's great to have him on. I've just looked at the time. We are out of it. There's no more left. Thank you so much for your company, not just today, but also this week. The news is next, and then Dean Macken on after that. We'll catch up on Monday. This is Chris Smith on TNT. 